Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about pigweed escapes in corn or soybeans. And you know what, Darren, I think we could probably talk about wheat and maybe a couple other crops too today. But if you've got any questions about this, this could be the number one weed issue on your farm, pigweed of some sort, whether that's water hemp, palmer pigweed, even red root pigweed, or I mean, there are a number of different pigweed species. So we're going to get into how to stop those today. If you've got any other questions or anything else you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm, you can certainly give us a call as well. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. You can also find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so I'll give you a couple of things on pigweed, and then we'll get to the agphd mailbag here. I'd just say this you got to spray early. If the pigweed gets to be a foot tall and sometimes even eight inches tall, I don't care what you do. It's just not going to work very well. We did get a little spoiled years ago when Roundup was still working phenomenally well on foot tall weeds. That's just not the case today, especially with pigweed species. So with soybeans, let's start there because a lot of people really struggle in soybeans. You have lots of options. I mean, obviously, Dicamba, 2,4-D, and Liberty are good choices. But on top of that, just in conventional beans, you've got Flexstar, you have Cobra, Cadet's not too bad. So right there, you got a few choices. The thing is, all those are PPOs that I just mentioned. When we start talking about the ALS chemistries, like Pursuit or first rate, well, pigweeds are now resistant to ALS. When we look at some of the other chemistries we've got in post-emerge conventional soybeans, there's not very good on pigweed. So it's pretty much that PPO chemical family. Again, Flexstar and and Cobra would be my two favorite products, but they're just not going to work well if the pigweed gets above, I'm going to say two to four inches. So we want to get the pigweeds as early as possible. The challenge becomes pigweeds sometimes can grow two or three inches in a day. (laughs) So you don't have a real big window here. We talk all the time about scouting. You want to be scouting on a regular basis. This is one of the weeds you should be looking for all the time. Okay. In corn, you got status. You've got regular dicamba. You also have liberty with certain corn varieties too. And then, of course, there are the HPPDs that are the most popular ones. I would say this. If you're going to use an HPPD, if your corn is still below a foot tall, throw in at least a quarter pound of atrazine if you can, if that fits in your rotation. I'm not talking much. I'm saying a quarter pound because it really boosts up that HPPD control. So that's that. That's our number one suggestion for you. All right. Again, we'll talk about pigweed escapes in corn or soybeans throughout the show. Uh, right now, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. I don't think we got music today, but anyway, Darren, what do you got for the first question here? All right. Uh, well, this is one that fell through the cracks. Brian, I had lost this soil test, and uh, Janelle just found it for me. Uh, so I apologize. This is from Matthew. He's in Pennsylvania, and he was asking a question about putting fertilizer out at planting time. Uh, so Matthew is shooting for 200 bushel corn on five CEC soils. He said, guys, I'm sending you my soil test results, 
and just wondering what you think just overall as you do on fertility. Also, my dad always uses 400 pounds of a dry 1919-19 starter. And last year, I cut back to 200 pounds of it because I thought 400 was just putting way too much salt out there. Uh, what's your feeling on that? Well, when we talk about starter, I'd be curious what the placement was on that. Now, he didn't say where nope. it was being placed. Okay. So if it's in or near that seed furrow, then yes, we'd be exceptionally concerned. If it's a few inches off, then I'm not real concerned at all. And when I look at your soil test, especially 5 CEC ground, there's no sodium to speak of, no soluble salts to speak of. Salts are going to flush through that light soil. The biggest concern we're always going to have in light soil like that is nitrate, sulfate, boron, and all three of those are not just low, they're extremely deficient, which we would expect because they're going to leach through the profile quickly. So I hope you have irrigation because if you do, then you can do quite well on 5CEC ground. I just make sure that you're getting your levels up of the nutrients that can stay there, like, for example, phosphorus and zinc. Get those up because they're not going anywhere, even in your light soil. Now, potassium in that light soil, especially if you have a lot of rainfall or irrigation, you're probably going to need a little more. You're at 4% base saturation K, which isn't bad. But that's only 50 to 100 parts per million because your soil is so light. So I'd be boosting that potassium as well. So, I mean, there isn't one nutrient I see on your soil test. I'm sorry to have to have to tell you this. There isn't well, one nutrient that I'm super happy with it's other than CEC your ratios. Soil. Your ratios are not bad. I look at calcium to magnesium, not bad. Your potassium thing isn't terrible. You just got to get that up a little bit. But, yeah, I... To your point, Darren, it's 5CEC soil, but nevertheless, that doesn't explain the phosphorus, that, the that zinc, just means it's easy the copper, some of those kind of things. You can boost those even in light soil. Those nutrients will stay. Easy to fix, and you're always doing maintenance on, on things in a 5CEC soil because numbers can change so fast. If you raise 200 bushel corn, you're going to pull a lot of nutrition out of there, and you have to replace it every year, every time. So it's just one of those things you have to watch out for. And I guess first part is you're doing some soil sampling. That's great. It's it's good to keep an eye on that and also to look for whatever variants you have out in your fields. Uh, do you want to start with this caller, Brandon, or do you want to take it right after the first break? Uh, well, you're just about up, up to our break time, so I don't think we're going to have time there. But I okay. would say just to kind of wrap this up Let on – oh. oh, well, go ahead. I was going to give you another question Yeah, here. go ahead. Okay, this one comes from Suffix, who says, In Europe, they say applying copper and manganese is bad for the rhizobia, bacteria, and nodules. Is this true, and how can I avoid a problem? Anything excessive is going to be bad for the rhizobia, bacteria, and nodules. But now, now, here's the thing. A lot of areas in Europe already have 400 parts per million of manganese. We're dealing with 40, or in some cases, 4 so I'm not too worried about it. And same thing with copper, where they've had a lot of livestock and a lot of copper that's gotten applied to some of those soils. It's really high already. So yeah, putting more on it probably be an issue. Like the last soil test, he had 0.3 parts per million of copper. Putting copper on, not going to hurt those rhizobium, not worried in his case. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. 
Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. At AgPhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, talking today about pigweed escapes in corn, soybeans, and other crops, and also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head back to the phone lines. Get Elwood on with us right now out in California. Elwood, thanks for hanging on there. Hey, man. How are you doing today? We're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. What can we do for you? Well, I'm trying to find you some non-GMO seed for wheat and for corn. And because I was informed that the wheat weed we have today, one slice of bread is like eating uh, a candy bar. And 40 years ago, it wasn't so. So I was trying to get some information on where I could grow my own corn but that hasn't been modified. Where would I get seeds like that? Sure. There's there's lots of conventional corn seed available out there, and there's still breeding going on with that. It's not all the breeding isn't... Uh, on the biotech traits. So you can certainly find conventional corn and wheat. I don't know if there is any wheat that is uh, GMO. Nope. So I think all the wheat is non-GMO. Right. So so you're fine either way, with wheat or with corn. One of the things that I would say, Elwood, is just the overall nutrition that goes into the corn or soybeans or wheat or whatever crop that it is. So you mm-hmm. can change the taste, and I don't care if we're talking tomatoes or any vegetable, you can change the taste of anything by the fertility that you put out there. And this is part of the reason we spend so much time talking about fertility here on our show. It's not just about nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Those are the big three nutrients. They're the primary nutrients. They're the ones you need lots of pounds of, but it's those little elements. Sometimes it's copper and manganese and boron, iron, zinc, things like that that can really impact your taste. So 
every every year for the last several years, we brought in this uh, world-renowned soil fertility expert. His name is Neil Kinsey, and he's done a three-day conference just on soil fertility with a whole bunch of farmers here, right on at, right at our Ag PhD Field Day site. And he talks about this all the time because he consults with people all over the world, and he's always like, "Okay, well, if you got this problem with this crop with this taste, it could be this nutrient." And it's like, "Oh, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. It's it, it's neat to know." But I, I, I would just say people are blaming something on GMO, and I don't think it's that at all. I think it's entirely to do with the nutritional levels. And the thing is, here in the United States, every farmer can farm however he wants to. So if, like on my farm, I want to put on copper, I can do it. If I don't want to put it on, I don't have to do it. Well, just that one decision alone can absolutely make an impact in taste and some other things that happen within that crop. Okay, let me ask you this question sure. then. Well, where did you, you did you tell me that I could purchase the seeds for that now? It's non-GMO. Well, for wheat, you can buy that anywhere because all wheat seed in the United States is non-GMO. As far as corn seed goes, almost every provider of corn out there has some that would be, we call it conventional. Uh, I mean, you may call it non-GMO or whatever, but I mean, that's all we had prior to 25 years ago was just that. And there are still a lot of varieties that are out there today. So I don't know what the percentage is in the United States that's grown non-GMO for corn. I guess it at 5 to 10%. It's probably 10%, something like that. But yeah, I, I mean, just about any supplier of corn, whether that's regular number two yellow corn that we we often talk about on the show or sweet corn that you were going to eat. I mean, you can find those just about anywhere. So just talked about any provider and I mean, they're, they're going to have the terminology options they'll use would probably be conventional corn. But if you say yes. non-GMO corn, they'll know what you mean. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks a lot. I would really yeah. appreciate it. You bet. Good luck. Let's head down to Mississippi. You got Jason Bond with us at Mississippi State. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Well, pretty good. We're talking about pigweed escapes in uh, well, any crop right now. And I know I was just talking to to one of our guys that, that does a lot of plot work for us. And he's like, man, you wouldn't believe this. There's already some pigweeds breaking through what we've done out there. And it's only June. Uh, how about down in Mississippi? Have the pigweeds been breaking through for a while now? You know, we've had a pretty good year uh, in most of the state. You know, there, there are some areas that were impacted by weather and got a little bit of a late start. But, you know, my latitude, which if you picture where Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi come together, that's pretty close to my latitude. We've done a really good job. And you go, you know, 60 miles north, and they're, they've been delayed by weather, and so they've been fighting uh, to get back ahead. Uh, but you know, as years go, I would say 2022 has been as smooth a year you know, all things considered, as we've had in a little while. Uh, and of course, there's always exceptions to that, but you know, in a bulk of the area, we've done pretty well with it. You know, we talk about crop canopy being our best friend out here for weed control. And certainly when you have breaks in that canopy, whether that's late planting or some poor stands or even bad weather that knocks some plants out or strips some leaves, we certainly end up fighting a lot of stuff in season. Uh, what I guess, what are you what are you noticing? I guess you do a lot of work with weed control. Uh, what have you seen with pigweed? What are some of the reasons that we're struggling with this particular weed so much? Uh, lack of pre-emergence, 
uh, treatments. So those at planting treatments, a lot of guys have moved away from those, maybe more so in cotton than in soybeans. Uh, and I know y'all don't have any, any cotton where you are, but uh, it's a significant crop for us. So I'd say more so for cotton, but we still, you know, we have erred away from that at planting residual treatment that was you know, probably 90 plus percent of our acres. If you go back to 2015, 2016, those years leading up to the commercialization of extend and then bad weather, man, you know, we, so we grow in the Delta area of Mississippi, which is the area that's adjacent to the Mississippi river. So it's alluvial floodplain. The majority of our soybean are uh, furrow irrigated. So we plant a wide row bean, mostly twin row production. And there's, you know, other all possible configurations, but the twin row on 38-inch centers probably pro proliferates most. And so that's a wide row uh, scenario. But we need to get water on and need to get water off, too. And so then on our heavy textured soils, we can have a pretty good difference in crop height from the top side of the field to the bottom side of the field uh, because of the you know, the water that, that ponds on those low ends. And so we have a lot of open ground this time of year, uh, whereas on the top side of the field, our beans may be near 100% canopy closure. On that bottom side, it may be, you know, 50 or 60% canopy closure. And our residual treatments that we may have included with our, our post application, it plays out, and then we get some late emergence in those scenarios. Now you mentioned the dicamba in there. How well is dicamba working on pigweeds in the various crops you can use it in? Uh, well, I haven't gone and collected any uh, seed from failures, so that that's a good story. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we certainly have some, some real problems in West Tennessee, and, and then I hear in, in Northeast Arkansas as well, right across from West Tennessee. So we don't have any of those problems like Larry Steckel has uh, in Tennessee yet. But I, I talk to Larry quite often, and, and I really feel his pain. We haven't had that problem. The system seems to be working, weed control-wise, working well for us. Uh, you know, how well are we checking all those boxes that are required on that label? That's a really difficult thing to do when you start spraying on scale. Uh, there's just a lot of things that really have to go right in order to make that application 100% by the label. Uh, so, you know, not not to sugarcoat it. We definitely have applications that are not made uh, exactly correct. But I think for the most part, Mississippi, we've always tried to do it as well as we could. And I'm not just saying that because I live and work in Mississippi. I mean, that's a, an observation that I've made. It seems like we have uh, at least done what we could to uh, preserve that technology. Yeah, it is important technology. There's no doubt about that. And keeping every one of these modes of action and products uh, effective out there in the field is really critical. That's why we really appreciate the work that Jason Bond down at Mississippi State does and, and a lot of his counterparts. Jason, thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing what you're doing. Yeah, guys. Anytime. Enjoyed it. You bet. Talking about pigweed escapes in corn, soybeans, and other crops on today's show. But we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back.
Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough-to-reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attach to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studios and taking your calls and questions at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD and oh my goodness there have been lots of questions about our topic today pigweed escapes and one of the crops that we're getting more calls this year and I our first guest we had on Jason Bond was talking about cotton and talking about soybeans and historically those have been crops where it's been a little tougher taking pigweed out but corn is getting to be another one of those crops that uh, guys are saying for whatever reasons uh, whether it's late planting uh Pre's running out of gas, just a bunch of things. Corn has been a little bit of a challenge this year to control pigweed. So looking for a little help on that, we've got Dennis Long with us right now with Belsham to talk about it. Dennis, thanks for joining us. Appreciate the, the opportunity. 
All right. I, I guess I've got about five situations I can throw at you here on corn, but the the end of the story is we can't get the pigweed under control this year, and the corn's getting big fast, uh, and you've got a product called Tough that growers are, are saying is really working. Can you talk to us a little about Tough? And for the guys who haven't had a chance to use it yet, uh, tell them what they should be looking for. Yes, uh, Tough 5EC is a PS2 inhibitor. We've been doing work on it uh, for university for many years. We've had commercial cells across the corn belt last year. It's used in a number of other crops as well. It's really strong on pigweeds, and we see, especially in tank mix with HPVD class of chemistry like uh, Callisto, Shieldex, Lotus, Impact, we see true synergy, uh, and especially on these pigweeds, the tough-to-control um, uh, amaranthus species, it, it really knocks them out. Hey, you mentioned the mix with the HPPDs, and this is one where we, we've gotten a number of questions about, hey, uh, my corn's closing in on 12 inches. I'm at V6. Uh, I'm not going to be able to use atrazine anymore. What's something that I can add in there? And we have seen that synergy with the HPPDs, uh, much like we do with atrazine, but Tough has got, like you say, another mode of action here that's pretty effective. That's correct. Uh, you can get synergy with uh, atrazine. Uh, it's, uh, it's also a PS2. It's in a different class of the PS2s than uh, Tough. But what's really good about Tough is that you can go up to the V8 stage. So that gives us a, a little wider window of application to uh, get those uh, last uh, escapes before the canopy closes. You know, we get concerned about dicamba getting out there too late as well. And I know for Brian and me, we love seeing dicamba done by V2 or V3, but no later than V5 if possible, just to avoid any drift and volatility issues, but but also for safety on the crop. For the guys that have been using dicamba that are switching over, uh, what is a strong rec? Because I know Tuff's got a pretty nice spectrum of weeds, pigweed being one of them, but we like to see at least a couple modes of action out there. Are there other things besides the HPPDs you like seeing mixed with tough that could go on a little later? Uh, well, we, we see um, just about everything that you put uh, tough with uh, in the tank. It enhances the performance and complements uh, just about anything else that you're putting out there. So um, it, it's for some reason, it's really uh boosting a lot of other classes of chemistry yeah no big issues or watch outs there one thing though that is a no. watch out is this weed seed bank and if we don't do a good job killing weeds uh how long are we going to pay the price dennis for leaving some of these weeds go to seed that, that's the whole point there you know okay this year uh you know things are very tough with uh shortage of products as well as the economics so all right well once your your crop canopy's over out of sight out of mind right well uh, if you leave them behind, they can still produce uh, uh, millions of seeds and um, go into the seed bank, and they're viable for for years. And especially if you're rotating the soybeans next year, you're setting yourself for, up for a big problem next year. So tough coming in, clean up there, there at the very end, uh, close her out, and pay the price this year and uh, move on for, for a more successful uh, crop next year. Last question for you, Dennis. You mentioned about supply issues and those types of things. How about supply on tough? How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Yeah, actually, we, we foresaw that the shortage is uh, coming. So uh, last fall, we went ahead and had a, a lot of product produced. It's in uh, our warehouses right now. Uh, we have plenty in stock. It's positioned in the central U.S. 
and we can have to any location across the U.S. in one to two days. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic, especially on a product that's growing in uh, demand so quickly like Tough is. Uh, we're talking with Dennis Long here with Belsham. Dennis, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to contribute, and uh, ho hopefully we can help make this uh, production year a, a successful one. You bet. Thank you. Uh, get Trevor Israel on with Valent right now. And Trevor, uh, we were talking about something earlier with Jason Bond down at Mississippi State. He said, uh, guys that have pulled away from using these pre's are sure paying the price on pigweed control right now. What are you seeing? You've got a lot of plots out there. I know you get around the area too. Uh, that's right, Darren. Um, you know, uh, like any year, there's always going to be locations that, um, you know, struggle with weather patterns and, and getting a, a pre down timely. Um, our, our labels say, uh, with the valor, uh, in valor and fierce to get it on within three days of planting for our label. So, uh, sometimes it's, uh, can be difficult, but, uh, boy, sure. When you prioritize that, you can really tell a difference in the, uh, the pigweed uh, this time of year and, and later getting into the year and, um, it almost seems like from this point trying to play catch up if you don't have a good pre down. All right. Brian talks about Cobra and Phoenix trying to catch up on some of these weeds before they get away from guys out in fields. I guess, what would you say? What is your advice to make those products work the best they can work? Um, making those products work the best, um, starting with some of the uh, spray coverage. Uh, I recommend 20 gallons per acre on the product like Cobra. Uh, with flat fan nozzles. Um, crop oil, it was going to be preferred uh, with Cobra. Uh, we can use NIS um, with it as well. Um, adding in AMS um, also is beneficial uh, for, for our tank mixes. And you you want to target weeds that are around three inches or less. Um, you know, with some of these weeds getting tough and tougher into the season to kill, the sooner you can get out there, um, you the more success you're going to have. Now, that being said, we still have a 45-day PHI with, with COBRA, the pre-harvest interval, so you have some flexibility there, but it sure performs a lot better the earlier you can uh, get it on the, the weeds there. Hey, one product we get questions on, Trevor, is resource, and I know it's just been fantastic knocking out Velvet Leaf. Uh, is that a good one to be tank mixing in on some of these uh, post-emerge mixes that we're putting out there? Is that going to give any help? It sure is. Resource is another group 14, and um, that product really brings uh, greater speed and, and overall total control uh, to that package, to the tank mix. So you're going to see uh, when added to Roundup or Liberty or, or even with um, with some of the uh, the Oxen products as well, uh, ability to, to enhance that weed control and, and speed it up some. I know with the Oxen, they take, you know, you might notice that it takes a while early to figure out if those uh, weeds are dead or not, uh, and adding in something like resource or, or even cobra to that tank mix to to see uh, that increased uh, burn down. And a tank mix like uh, cobra and liberty, you know, we see anywhere from 10 to 20 percent percentage points increased control in, in water hemp and, and amaranth species. So uh, brings a lot to that tank mix, and um, you know. A product like uh, um, Liberty or, or Glufosinate is, is uh, really finicky, depending on the on the growing conditions or or the weather conditions. You know, to really optimize that. So there, that's always uh, uh, keep that in mind as well. And uh, a tank mix with a uh, resource or Cobra, some Group 14s can really uh, add that uh, burn down and really 
bring more confidence into that application. Yeah, there are some pretty nice tank mix partners out there that can add some boost, and we've seen that on corn for years. Growers have been looking for that extra thing to add in. Uh, same thing is true on soybeans. Lots of good products out there. Uh, we're talking with Trevor Israel with Valent about Cobra and Phoenix and Resource and some of the nice tools they've got. Trevor, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay cool out there somehow if you can. All right. I'll try my best. Thank you, Darren. <laughs> you bet. I'm asking the impossible here because uh, the heat index is up quite a ways here recently. It looks like it's going to be for the next 10 days or so. And when that happens, we get lots of moisture and we've got some heat. We're going to see pigweeds coming. We're going to see that next flush. It's already getting going in a lot of fields. So we're talking about how to get it under control on today's program. And we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air it's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season 
by visiting Corteva.us. Pigweeds, pigweeds, pigweeds. Man, it seems like every summer we spend several shows just talking about pigweed. This is a tough weed, and we're discussing it on Ag PhD Radio today. If you have an agronomic question, uh, whether it's pigweeds or anything else, uh, we'd be happy to take that at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, sit down to Georgia. Got Eric Prostko with us right now at the University of Georgia to talk about this. Eric, I know you probably get tired of talking about pigweed by the end of the year, but we got some questions for you today, if that's okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I always appreciate talking uh, to, to you guys and sharing information from the Southeast. So sometimes it's a little bit different than what you're seeing and where y'all are from and other parts of the country. So appreciate the opportunity to get our story out as well. You bet. Yeah, we just had a guest on from Georgia yesterday, and he said, you know, 105, 110 degree heat index. He goes, I don't know, you guys call it wind chill when you get cold. We just call it heat index here when you get our extreme weather. Does that make controlling pigweed tougher, or do you have the humidity or something to, to keep things growing right on through it? What what do you do when it gets hot like this? Well, we we, uh, we do have high humidity. It's typically more humid in the morning than it is in the afternoon, so usually uh, a morning and it's generally a little bit cooler in the morning. So that's a good time to, when I do all my research, for example, I'm spraying somewhere between six and 9 AM when the wind's down and the temperature's a little cooler and humidity's up and things work very well. But there's, there's no doubt when weeds are under stress, whether it's uh, temperature or moisture stress, and we're trying to make a post-emergence herbicide application, they're going to be harder to control. You know, we're lucky in, in much of our state and, and, and the surrounding areas uh, we do have irrigation, so that gets us out of a bind. But uh, um, I have a colleague that's—he's got a great quote. He said, "If it doesn't rain, it doesn't matter," and that's something we we <laughs> yes. use around here. Even 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 with irrigation, uh, sometimes uh, when we get in some of these hot, dry periods, uh, it certainly is a challenge for sure. All right, so you got big corn down there. Is, is there anybody that puts anything out late season for for pigweed, or they just wait till after harvest and deal with it then? I, I, you broke up on that. I didn't hear the last part. Oh, Could you repeat that? I, I was question? saying you've got you've got big corn down there now. We're, mm-hmm. We've got a lot of corn that's still small, but your corn's big. Mm-hmm. Do you have anybody that comes in with a high boy late or any of those types of treatments, or do you just wait till the crop's um, off and then deal with it? Well, we've been trying. We've been a lot of our corn now is tasseling, believe it or not. So you know we've got eight, ten foot tall corn in, in most places tasseling, depending on when you planted it. So. It's hard to get over that corn, but we we have been trying to encourage people to do laybys or a little bit earlier in the year to uh, help us get another residual out if we can. Um, and there's a, there's a few people that have drops, but but you guys are, are farmers. You know that sometimes you know your sprayer set up one way, and to do drops and some things like that, it's often more of a headache uh, to, to switch your system around. So not too much. Very sometimes there's a few growers that do it. Uh, and, but trying, trying to get somebody to lay by is like, you know, going to the dentist and getting one of your teeth pulled. Just, you know, <laughs> n- nobody wants to talk about it. But if we could, if we could get more people to lay by that, by that would be very helpful. So, uh, you know, we got to try to do it up front with res- you know, my colleague, Jason, several mentioned residuals, and there's no doubt that that's the key to, uh, pigweed control is the use of multiple residuals and, and whether you get those active, they need to be activated with moisture, right? So, if they go out and it doesn't rain, a lot of times they don't work. So 
uh, in our corn, 85% of our corn is irrigated. So I always tease everybody. I know, I know it's, it's easy for me to say, but I, I would say we've got enough good tools in an irrigated field that pigweed shouldn't be a problem if we're, if we're doing things the way we should. You know, we've got other issues like morning glory is probably a bigger challenge for us, but um, under a pivot, we've got enough good tools that, you know, pigweed shouldn't be our number one problem. It's going to be morning glory. Talk to us about soybeans just a little bit. We've got some tools. We've got Femesifen. We've got Lactifen, uh, so Flexstar, Cobra, Phoenix, those types of products. Uh, how effective are they? And then do you like the Dicamba products, the Enlist products? Uh, are they all good tools for you? Yeah, I think right right now we don't have any. We just found our first in the last two years. We just found our first confirmed site of PPO resistance. So we don't have a lot of PPO. We don't suspect that we have a lot of PPO resistance. So they still work very well for us. We tend to use a lot of reflex down here because we use it on cotton. And reflex is, is, is a good P- post-emergence PPO. It does give you residual control. We may use some Cobra. We may remember blazers still out there we we got blazer floating around and of course we've got folks dabbling with the dicamba and the 24d technology but in any of those systems and we've got people that there's been a big interest in conventional beans around here lately there's been a, a very high premium for growers uh, that are, are growing some conventional beans and so uh, that's a, that's a good opportunity for some folks if they've got the market uh, but we, we're seeing all three technologies and, and again in any one of those you know, we need to have a residual planting and then a res- at least a residual over top. Uh, in fact, I was just rating some of my soybean plots today. And wherever I had a residual pre and then I had it post uh, another residual somewhere, that, that was my best control. Where I didn't have that, I didn't have quite as good a control. And then I, just to give you an idea, we had in this particular test over 40 pigweed per square foot. I stopped counting wow. after 40. Wow. I, had to take my sh- I had to take my shoes off. <laughs> and there were. That's pretty thick. Well, it's thick when the pigweeds have to choke each other out. That's that's well, never a yeah, good sign. That, yeah. So, but but uh, again, the challenge a lot of our if if you don't have irrigation and you're relying on Mother Nature, you know, well, if a guy calls and asks me about putting residual, I'm like, here you have irrigation or you dry land. If you dry land, what's your what's our forecast look like in your area? If it's low, you know, you got a good probability of putting out a residual, and if you don't get rain on it, you just wasted. 10 to 15 yeah. bucks. So that's, that's a challenge. Yeah, you got to be proactive on pigweed, no doubt about it. And like you mentioned, uh, back back to Jason Bond's comments too, if we don't use these pre's and use as many modes of action as we can pre, we're just asking for trouble that we just can't clean yeah. up later on. Yeah. You know, and the other, other, other thing we're trying to do in, in, in this part of the world is protect the PPOs because we use a, you know, as I mentioned to you all before, we use a lot of valor in our peanut crop and we use in pre-plant burn down in cotton and we use reflexing cotton We're trying to protect the PPOs for our, our bigger row crops, cotton and peanuts. And maybe when we get the soybeans, and I think I mentioned this to before, I'm still a huge fan of Metribuzin. I'm, I'm not a Roundup baby. So I was around when Metribuzin was used on what, 20% of our soybean acres. And that's a good cheap foundation product doesn't last let's face it doesn't last as long as valor but it does give you two to three weeks residual control and we're not um overusing the ppo in a crop when we have another option yeah we've liked it here too for burn down plus residual anything that adds burn and that burn down on mare's tail and some of these other things we really like that too 
Well, Eric, that's it's a been, good old product, right? Some, yeah, yeah. It's it's nice when when I have somebody else on the show that says, you know, I remember before Roundup what we did because Brian and I talk about that a lot. We used to have to use a lot of different chemistries, so this is not a foreign yeah. concept to us. And no. you know, we we kept yeah. using yeah. pre's all the way through the Roundup times just because we knew how valuable they were, we knew how effective they were year in and year out, and that it thinned out what was left for Roundup to clean up, so our Roundup worked better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. uh that's a good lesson for everyone to follow is that even though we have technologies, we can't forget the, the good things that were working before those technologies that were there. Absolutely. Eric, we're going to have to let you run, but we're going to have to have you back on sometime to talk about that morning glory issue and, and what exactly yeah. you guys are doing so we can learn lessons before that gets out of hand here too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good to visit with you all. And thanks again for uh, uh, having me on. You bet. Thanks, Eric. Again, that's Eric Prostko with University of Georgia. Always got some great information for us. And, uh, uh, yeah, and their crop's a long ways ahead of us, too. So they get a little early insight on what's working in 2022 ahead of what we're seeing here in the upper Midwest. Talking about pigweed on the show today, and specifically pigweed escapes and how you bring those back into control. Uh, we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions here at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD. Okay, so we talked corn and soybeans, and I said earlier in the show we could mention like wheat, for example. It's really not that difficult in wheat because we have good options for control, number one, and number two, usually the wheat chokes out the pigweeds better than some of the other crops. But quite often we're talking to people about husky or husky effects is usually our preferred product now. And with wide match, it wasn't that good, but now you go to wide R match, much better. So those are usually the top two products we're discussing, husky effects and wide R match. But anyway, lots of good herbicide options out there to, to control pigweeds and certainly cultural practices are really important as well. All right, we're going to continue talking about weed control and get back to your questions right after this. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. 
what does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And patiently hanging on the line right now is Russell from West Virginia. Russell, thanks for hanging on there. You want to talk a little slug action in soybeans? Uh, yeah. Uh, I have a 50-acre bean field that it's basically just been completely wiped out. I'm going to have to replant the whole thing. Uh, I was just wondering if there was something that I could spray to kill the slugs out before I replant or what would be the best way to handle those. Yeah, I don't know what you would even spray. About all there is is bait for slugs. And then the other thing that people often talk about is just drying the field out. So if a person's in no-till, then it's usually the problems are a lot worse than if the person is in conventional till. So quite often we just talk to people about do tillage, and then if you want to use some some kind of bait product, uh, they have slug bait, um, metaldehyde I think is what they use in the in that bait, and that's about all I really know of. So yeah, it's it's a it's an unfortunate problem. Uh, so there, there just aren't a lot of great options. And some people will talk about insecticide, and we go, no, 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 you don't want to use insecticide because that's not going to kill the slugs, number one. And number two, it's going to kill anything that could potentially kill the slugs. So don't use insecticide. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wish I had some fantastic answer for you, but other than tillage and maybe using a bait product, that's about all we can we can say. Okay, yeah, this this field, it was, it was this twice, and then I think it was planted around May 10th. Everything came up good, but there, I mean, they just wiped the field, whole field out. Wow. Has that ever happened to you before? No, this is the first time we've ever had any, any slugs in the beans. We've sure. had some uh, cornfields that have had some slug damage, but never in the beans. Yeah. What's happened in the cornfields? Has it wiped out the cornfields there, or was it just leaf feeding and then uh, the corn did yeah. okay? Just some little, you know, p- patchy places. Uh, yeah. you know, you'd get a little area that have some, you know, some uh, damage to the plants, but usually it would all always just uh, grow grow right out of it. Sure. Have you been getting excessive moisture this spring? We've been pretty wet there. We actually just got about an inch and a half of rain here today. Sure. Yep. Our assumption, though, is as things are now warming up, most likely it's going to dry out. And if you do more tillage, the slug problem is most likely going to go away. That's the, the, 
I, I again, I, I feel bad because I wish I had some great thing to tell you. Like we've been talking pigweed today and I got plenty of herbicides that'll kill pigweed. You know, it's, it's not that difficult if you just do it, but over on this slug side, yeah, it's, it really stinks because we don't have some product where we say, oh, yeah, go use this and it's going gonna, it's gonna to solve all your problems. Or if there is one, I sure don't know what that is. Okay, so probably the best thing to do would just be to pull, pull the uh, uh, disc across there before we, we do the replant. Or right? Yep, or some type of cultivation, yes. Yep, you want to dry that soil out yeah. as much as you can. And like I say, there are some bait products so maybe you talk to some retailer in your area and say, hey, do you have any slug bait that I could possibly use? I mean, that, the, that's it. That's all we really have for you, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, thanks, Russell, and good luck to you. Yeah, I just I feel bad, Darren, when we can't just give a simple answer and, oh, it's absolutely for sure going to solve a person's problem. No, that is a tough one, no doubt about that. Uh, okay, let me throw a couple others at you here. Um, got this one from Joe about Curly Doc. Uh, Joe says, I watched a, a video of your Weed of the Week, and you were talking about this perennial weed, Curly Doc. I'm wondering, I've got a Timothy and Clover hayfield. Can I use Grazon, or what would you like to see used to control Curly Doc in that situation? Of course, I don't want to kill the grass or the clover. <laughs> well, the clover's the problem. As soon as we talk about clover, then you can't use Tordon, you can't use Milestone, you can't use 2,4-D, you can't use Dicamba. Um, you can use Buckdrill, and that's it. And that's not going to kill the curly dock. No, it's not, unfortunately. Might burn it. It's but. it's one of those things. We we talk about this uh, with with weeds that are impossible to kill out in alfalfa fields too, which would be a relative of clover. And at some point, if you say the weeds are so bad out there, you just have to take that out, uh, clean up things, and and put it back into hay again a year or two later. Yeah. Now the only other product, and it's it's not going to be labeled in clover, but it would be Pursuit or Raptor, and I, I mean. It probably isn't going to kill your clover. <laughs> That's the best I can tell you. But it's not going to be labeled in in there. But depending on the type of clover. So, but even then, I mean, are we going to be talking fantastic curly dot control? Um, no, but it's not bad. You'll at least get suppression if you were to use Raptor or Pursuit, and that's definitely not going to hurt that uh, uh, that. That, that clover as much but then the problem is that's going to ding up the grass definitely more so yeah i don't know i, I mean I, there there's just no real great answer so yeah if it was me what would i use i i, I mean i might want to use grazon i would be fine if i just used freelex dicamba something like that with the understanding that my clover is gone yep Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's a tough, tough weed. And one of the things you see at the Curly Dock, too, is drainage issues are often part well, of an issue. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. A lot of times it's in spots. So you could do what we always used to do or were forced to do by our dad and go out and spot spray with a little bit of Roundup just with the squirt bottle or, I mean, we used to be on a bean rider even. But, um, I mean, if you filled up, let's say, in your four-wheeler, you had... Uh, a sprayer load or at least a little bit of roundup and you squirt the curly dock plants with a high rate of roundup low rate of water then you kill the curly dock out and then hopefully everything else would take over so 
if there isn't too much, that's a good way to go. And then like Darren said, these patches a lot of times are in poor drainage areas. So if you are to, let's say, run some tile through there, well, in the future now you'll have better drainage, meaning you'll have better growth of your clover and your timothy. So hopefully the curly dock doesn't come back. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, got this one. This is kind of an interesting one too, Brian. This comes from Gary and he said, I'm a very small farmer raising grain up in South Central Michigan. And I'm wondering, you talk about vomitoxin in wheat. Do farmers always spray for vomitoxin? And is there a way to test the wheat prior to spraying to see if vomitoxin is even there? No. Uh, by the time, I, I mean, if there was already vomitoxin there, well, then you're too late. There's nothing you can do. So what we're trying to do with our spray is control the disease to begin with so the disease doesn't end up leading to the vomitoxin ending up in that crop later on. So we, we talk about fusarium head blight, and that's, that, that's one of the big things where, okay, if you spray a strobe, now it seems like you're going to be more likely at heading timing to end up with Don or vomitoxin in that wheat. But we want to keep that wheat as healthy as possible. So usually it's a combination of several things. It's having good drainage. It's having a good fertility program that's balanced, not just, oh, I have lots of nitrogen. It's about controlling my diseases all throughout the season so I have a healthy plant. And then it's also looking at insects and weeds too. Because if you have insects and you have weeds out there, that means you have stress. And stress, that leads to more vomitoxin issues. All right. Uh, you ready for us to take the phone lines here, Janelle? Nope. She's, nope. she's all not. Right. I get a question then from, uh, let's see, now, uh, from IM, who says, what does it mean by reducing tillage? You talk about building organic matter and reducing <laughs> tillage. Does that mean no tillage, or nope. does that mean some level of tillage is still okay? Well, yeah, it can be. It's just, here's the thing. When we talk about building soil organic matter, one of the big keys is leaving crop roots, prior crop roots intact. That's where a lot of soil organic matter is built. So as little tillage as you can do, that's great. Sometimes people feel like they have to do tillage for various reasons. Like just a little bit ago, we were talking to a farmer that needs to do some tillage for slugs. Okay. That that's never happened to him before in soybeans. So it's not like he has to do this tillage every year. Well, maybe next year he goes no till or strip till, or he only makes one pass with, let's say it's one of these machines. It's got just some coulters. So it's not a moldboard plow or even a deep disking or anything like that. So the less tillage you can do, the better off you are if you want to build soil organic matter. All right. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And boy, I appreciate all the discussion today on pigweed escapes in in crops this summer. The big thing here is keep scouting your fields. I know it's getting hot, getting humid out there, but still got to keep scouting so those weeds don't get away from you. Well, thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.